It, it's the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Broadcasting from coast to coast. City to city, coast to coast. It's time for the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If it's happening in sports, it's being talked about right here. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Ryan Hickey Show with you right here for the next two, that's right, two hours on this Thursday. Monday, again, I apologize for the shortened show, the shorty one, only an hour, but now we are back to our regularly scheduled programming with a two-hour extravaganza as we go till 11 a.m. Eastern. It is, as I look at my window, raining, snowing, sleeting? A great combo of all three, which is, for this time, pretty, pretty brutal. So hopefully, wherever you're listening, wherever you are starting your morning with us right here, we hopefully the weather's a little bit nicer, a little bit cheerier out um, than it is, at least in my neck of the woods right over here. Like I said, we do appreciate you starting your Thursday with us. A loaded Thursday show as we get to what I would say is the best weekend of football of the year. I love the regular season. Obviously, the Super Bowl. Wild card weekend for me is always an excitement, but these four games we got upcoming in the NFL to me are, are the four best games jam-packed into two days you could ask for. I am fired up for every single matchup. We will dive into it. I think two road teams are going to get a win. We'll discuss which two road teams uh, will be pulling the upset this week. Tom Brady, is he on his way out? Finally, most people will be saying we'll discuss that. There's a possibility or some former teammates are thinking this could be it for Tom uh, Tom Brady himself. We'll get into that in a little bit as well. It's a Thursday. Hickey's Pickies is coming at you. Hour and 15 minutes or so from now, Mike Pooley, my guy, who went 3-1-1 one one last year. A very good showing in the 2020 version of Hickey's Pickies. Pooley will be on again. Hour 15 from now, 10-20 a.m. Eastern. A loaded show. So let's not waste any more time. We are coming to you live from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios. And whether it's great pizza, Hot Heroes, and Phenomenal Dinners. Make sure you check out BigItalyPizza.com to find a location near you. I know the playoffs technically started last, well, not technically, they did so last week, right? With Wild Card Weekend, six games, and now we are down to the final eight teams in the postseason. With that said, though, with every team now finally playing, right? the Packers are playing this weekend, the Titans are playing this week after having buys last week, I want to discuss who has the most to gain in this postseason? Who has the most to lose from a quarterback perspective? Because when I look at this weekend and I look at the, the postseason as a whole, I think no quarterback has more to lose in these playoffs than Aaron Rodgers of the Packers. And on the flip side, I don't think any quarterback has more to gain, has a higher, you know, will get more praise for winning than Josh Allen will if he goes all the way for the Bills. So let's start with, with the negative. Let's start with... Aaron Rodgers. There's no doubt about it. His legacy is going to take a hit if the Packers lose in the Super Bowl or fall short and don't even get to the Super Bowl. Like His legacy by far is the one that's at the most risk of any quarterback uh, in the postseason. Look at Tom Brady. Look, and the guy has seven Super Bowls. No matter what happens this postseason, no one's going to look at him any differently. Patrick Holmes has been a two in a row. He can't get to three in a row. 
okay, not many quarterbacks can. I think he'll get a pass for one year. Josh Allen is still young. Joe Burrow is only in year two. Not many people think anything of Ryan Tannehill to begin with. Uh, who else? Right? Matthew Stafford, he has a lot to lose. He was brought in for one reason and one reason only, to win a Super Bowl. He did get his first career postseason win last week, and I think he, well, still has a lot to lose, not as much as Aaron Rodgers does. There's no doubt about it. They fall short, the Packers do. They don't get to the Super Bowl here. Don't even win the Super Bowl. We have to start questioning. We really have to start questioning. Can Aaron Rodgers come through? Is he really as clutch of a quarterback as we kind of make him out to be? And there's a lot going in Aaron Rodgers' favor. There's a lot of history as well, both in the offseason and during the season, that do play a role into having him be the quarterback with the most to lose this postseason. Let's look at it. Let's look at it for on the field, right? Because no quarterback in the playoffs this year has gotten more breaks and is on the fast track to the Super Bowl more than Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Look at their advantages they have that no other team does. For the second year in a row, right, as we know, the new format with seven teams is only one bye. The Packers in the NFC, the only team with a bye. So Tom Brady had to play last week, as we know. Matthew Stafford, Jimmy G. There are teams that are banged up that had to play last week while the Packers were home resting. With that bye means, right, home field advantage. Packers don't have to leave Lambeau Field. And home field advantage is extremely important this year because Lambeau Field and the Packers are the only one who have a true home field advantage because of the weather. The four t- or the three teams, the three other teams remaining in the NFC, the 49ers, Rams, and the Buccaneers, all warm weather climate teams. They're not used to playing in the cold. They're not used to going up and playing in, in the snow and the sleet and, and playing, you know, on frozen turf. Well, you know, the Packers are. That is one of the biggest advantages they have going for them. So even though we saw the Buccaneers, a warm weather team, go into Lambeau last year and win, you have that advantage still where the weather plays a role and gives you a leg up over any other team. So you got the bye, no one else had. You have the weather advantage, no other team has. The biggest advantage the Packers have in this postseason compared to any other team in the playoffs. They are by far the healthiest team in the postseason and by far the healthiest team in the NFC. You look at the Buccaneers, who have now are suffering injuries on their offensive line. As we know, skill position players as well with Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin uh, not being on the field for very, very different reasons. The Buccaneers are playing shorthanded this season. The Rams, obviously no Robert Woods for them. They're dealing with some injuries. And the 49ers, Jimmy G is banged up. They've suffered their own injuries as well. Nick Bosa maybe is questionable and might miss uh, Saturday's game as well. So the 49ers are banged up. The Rams are banged up. The Bucks are banged up. The Packers, not only are they pretty much you know not banged up, they are getting guys back. Look, you look at David Bakhtiari. They are all pro left tackle. After missing almost the entirety of the season this year, the 20th sale from last year, was able to return in Week 18 for the Packers. You look at Jair Alexander, their best corner, was able, you know, starting to get out of COVID protocol. He is able uh, and has appeared to be returning uh, to the field this weekend. So two of your best players returning to the field. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Aaron Rodgers, dealing with that fractured pinky toe, right, that everyone was talking about. It was limiting his mobility. It was impacting his comfortability. Well, he said last week during the bye that he expects by the time the game rolls around on Saturday night, his toe will be 100%. So he's healthy. He's not going to be limited by that toe injury that was kind of forcing him to play on one foot uh, the last like two or three months. So you have 
the Packers as legitimately the healthiest team in the NFL and especially in the NFC. And oh yeah, not to mention, second year in a row, Aaron Rodgers playing at an MVP level, playing some great, great football. So look at the advantages the Packers have on the field. MVP level quarterback, healthiest team in the NFC. You have the weather advantage and you have the buy advantage. It would be a travesty if the Packers fall short of the Super Bowl yet again. It would be a massive, 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 massive failure because no quarterback even comes close to the advantages that are going in Aaron Rodgers' direction this season. So that's why, to me, he has the most to, one of the reasons why he has the most to lose is because he has by far the most advantages and things kind of benefiting him to get to the Super Bowl. But let's also look at his postseason history because that, I think, also is a factor here. For how tremendous Aaron Rodgers is, for him being arguably, in terms of talent, the most talented quarterback to ever play the position, we know how successful he is, we know all the records he has broken. His postseason success, or lack thereof, does raise a question. Like, you look at his record. He's just 11-9 and in the playoffs. Peyton Manning asked, right? Peyton Manning got a lot of flack for playing great in the regular season, coming up short in the postseason. Aaron Rodgers, basically kind of the same. Now, the drop-off isn't, you know, as severe as it was with Peyton, where it was pretty obvious Peyton Manning just did not have it in the postseason most years compared to the regular season. But Aaron Rodgers, again, for how great he is, for how many home playoff games the Packers have had, not, you know, the the record does leave a lot to be desired. Again, just 11-9, and since winning the Super Bowl in 2009, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are 0-4 in their last four NFC title games. 0-4. So, again, you lose this weekend. You lose next weekend. That record comes into question. And, again, I do think when it comes to being in the conversation of all-time greats, that postseason record is something that we will look back on and say, mm, Rodgers, great quarterback, underachieved. I think it's fair to say underachieved. I know it's hard to get to the Super Bowl. I know it's hard to win a Super Bowl. But with how talented he is, with how many times the Packers have had good, really good teams to fall short and not even get back to a second Super Bowl, forget win one, just getting back to the big game, I think would really put a massive hurt on his legacy. And finally, the third and final reason why I think he has by far the most to lose is because of what happened in the offseason. The entire drama surrounding Aaron Rodgers and his future, whether it's going to be in Green Bay, whether it's going to force a trade, you cannot have all of that drama go down, have all of these advantages now on the field heading into the playoffs and fall short yet again. No quarterback in the postseason. Not Ryan Tannehill, not Joe Burrow, not Matthew Stafford, not Tom Brady, not Jimmy G. No quarterback's future is more impacted by how their playoffs play out than Aaron Rodgers. Because I still think he's going to get traded. There's now maybe a, a growing momentum that believes that he could stay. But his future, I do think, will in part be dictated by the results we see on the field. If you're Brian Gutekunst, the GM, and you were thinking, okay, you know what? Maybe I'll soften my stance, and maybe I truly will punt on Jordan Love and bring Aaron Rodgers back. Well, if they lose, if the Packers lose on Saturday, if they lose next week, maybe even if they lose in the Super Bowl, Again, we've seen Aaron Rodgers' postseason record and the lack of consistent success. You know the headaches that have gone along with this past offseason. Are you really going to be okay with running it back and bringing him back 
after you see just a, a basically a 500 playoff record, knowing all the drama that happened last year? Or are you going to stick to your guns and go with Jordan Love and say, okay, maybe this is the guy that's going to get us over the hump, get us to the Super Bowl? Because, again, if you can't make it to the Super Bowl this year with a bye being the healthiest team with a quarterback playing at an MVP level, when are you going to get there? When are you going to get there? So I do think, you know, his future for Aaron Rodgers could be dictated by how this season ends. If it ends on a bad note and he is traded, it's kind of like Brett Favre where he does leave Green Bay on a sour note. Now, it's a little bit different, right, because Brett was more retirement, wishy-washy, will I play, will I not play, where Aaron Rodgers wants to be in Green Bay. I think that's, by you know, very accurate. It's not a secret he wants to stay there. But I do think if this season and this postseason goes awry, another failed Super Bowl appearance, I think that's going to just drive Brian Gutekunst even more to say, you know what, we got a great regular season quarterback, a guy that hasn't really been able to get us over the hump in the postseason. We're going to turn the page. We're going to move on. And if that doesn't happen, if Rodgers is back in Green Bay and does finish his career as a Packer, well, you look at next season, this team is going to be drastically different next year than it is this year. The Packers are already $42 million over the cap. The second worst cap space currently right now, only behind the Saints. You have, by the way, key free agents. Devonta Adams, as we know, all-pro receiver. Devondre Campbell, all-pro linebacker. Rasul Douglas, who's been a tremendous addition in the secondary for Green Bay. Robert Tanyan is a reliable tight end. This is going to be a dramatically and drastically different-looking Packers team in 2022 if Aaron Rodgers does return. So again, this could be his best shot, his final shot, at making a Super Bowl. So there's, to me, so much on the line here for Aaron Rodgers. No one has more to lose than Rodgers this postseason because everything is lining up for him on the field. Um, his postseason record does leave a lot to be desired where you do want to see him actually come through in the postseason. We haven't seen it since 09. And his future, I think, is in question and will, in part, be dictated with how this playoffs goes where I don't think any other quarterback's future is going to be changed by the outcome of the playoffs. Jimmy G is going to get traded no matter what. Matthew Stafford, even if they lose this weekend, he's not going to get traded. Tom Brady's Tom Brady. Patrick Holmes, Patrick Holmes. Josh Allen, Josh Allen. Like, no quarterback's future is tied to their postseason success this year. Except one, Aaron Rodgers. That's why I think he has the most to lose. On the flip side, positively here, I think the most to gain is Josh Allen. With how much he has to carry these Buffalo Bills offense, he would be a hero, a legitimate hero, if the Bills win the Super Bowl this year. Because unlike Patrick Holmes, unlike Joe Burrow, unlike Matthew Stafford or Aaron Rodgers, or, jo- uh, or, or even Ryan Tannehill, Josh Allen has to carry both the pass game for the Bills and the run game for the Bills. He has to do both. Like, you look at this season for Buffalo. Their second leading rusher on the season was Josh Allen. He had 763 yards, six rushing touchdowns, both second on the team. This is a guy who's averaging seven, you know, almost seven and a half rush yards uh, attempts, excuse me, rush attempts per game. And he's not, you know, this is not an offense that's similar to the Ravens where Lamar Jackson is an in, you know, integral part of the run offense. Sure, Josh Allen is a mobile quarterback. He's a, basically a linebacker playing quarterback. So it, it makes sense and it's advantageous, advantageous for the Bills to run Josh Allen. But running him seven times a game, having him be the second leading rusher, I don't think was something that was planned coming into the season. 
but he has been a massive part of the run game, and he has really had to carry at times the run game for the Bills. Six times out of 17 games, Josh Allen was the leading rusher on the team. Six times. I think it's a number for me. That's too high because you want to be able to rely on your ground game outside of just a quarterback. The Bills, for a large part of the season, have been unable to do that. So that's a lot to ask from your quarterback that now, again, you look in the AFC. You have a high-flying offense in the Chiefs you're playing this week. You have a high-flying offense in Cincinnati that if the Bills, uh, if the Bengals upset the Titans, you're going to have a lot on Josh Allen's plate, a lot for him to do in order to keep up with these high-powered offenses. Because also, I don't think the run game can be relied upon consistently. I also don't think the defense can be relied upon consistently. I get sure, statistically, they are up there. Number one in total defense, you know, top of the board in terms of points per game. On paper, with the numbers, they look like a dominant defense. In reality, that is not the case. They do shrink. They do struggle against really good offenses, playoff caliber offenses. Colts, Buccaneers, Titans, they have played some of the better offenses in the NFL, and they have gotten exposed. So, yes. They shut down Mac Jones, you know, the last two times they faced him. Congratulations. I don't trust this Buffalo Bills offense going into Kansas City and playing as well as they did the first time this year. I do think the Buffalo Bills defense, they're frauds. They are frauds. So that just puts even more pressure on Josh Allen to not only carry the offense when he's on the field, but also then have to put up a ton of points because you can't rely to me on the defense as much as maybe the stats do indicate. So it's going to be a, a, a you know yeoman's work, if you will, for Josh Allen here in the postseason, which why for me, if he does get it done, if he beats the Chiefs, goes to Tennessee, or, or plays the Bengals, wins that game, gets to the Super Bowl, beats Aaron Rodgers, beats Matthew Stafford, beats Tom Brady, beats Jimmy G, I think he'd be hailed, rightfully so, as a hero because he would have carried, literally himself, carried that Buffalo Bills team to a Super Bowl so that's why for me, Josh Allen has the most to gain of any quarterback in the postseason. I think Aaron Rodgers has the most to lose of any quarterback this postseason. So I'm curious your thoughts here. I'd love to get them, whether it's Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. You can tweet me at Ryan Hickey Show. Ryan Hickey Show. Which quarterback out of the eight remaining has the most to lose this postseason? On the flip side, who has the most to gain? Again, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. Or if you're on Facebook watching, we appreciate you there. Comment on the Facebook uh, page, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. When we do return here, Monday's show, we talked about Mike McCarthy, how I thought he should be fired. As we know, as we sit here on Thursday, that's not the case. But I want to bring that conversation up again because Mike McCarthy spoke to the media. He had his year-end press conference, his year-in-review press conference yesterday. He only added more fuel to the fire for him to be fired. I want to play some things that he said because he basically showed Jerry Jones the blueprint of why he is a very bad coach. We'll play those clips when we do return you to listen to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show. I want to get to Mike McCarthy's uh, comments from yesterday in a second here because it is 
head scratching beyond belief. But I do want to point out one thing. We'll, we'll, we'll venture into the music world for a second here. I'm not very cultured, I will say, but I will say this song, Cold Heart, Elton John Dua Tremendous. It just hit me last night. Tremendous example of why all that matters, maybe just to me, maybe you think differently. All that matters in music now is beat. The lyrics don't matter because this song is a perfect example. I love this song. I'll be completely honest. This is a great song. It is catchy. I've listened to it not only, you know, here and there, but on repeat two, three times in a row. I heard it on the radio driving home last night from work, and then it just hit me. This is a tremendously good song, but at the same time, all it is is just a awful, awful lyrically written song because it is just for three minutes. The song is three minutes and 22 seconds to be exact. All it is is Elton John singing his chorus, Dua Lipa singing her chorus, and them going back and forth singing the same thing. It is literally three minutes of repeating the same, I don't know, 10, 15 lines. But with that said, I can't stop listening to it. That, I guess, is music now in 2021 or, or 2022. If you have a good beat, if the song is catchy, it doesn't matter what the hell you say. You can be saying the same line over and over and over again if it's in, in a if it's in a catchy rhythm, people will sing it and people will be drawn to it. And that just kind of hit me last night because this song, all it is, again, is the same 10 lines. They repeat themselves no joke like three times. I thought every time the song's ending, the song's ending. Full disclosure, I didn't want the song to end. I do like the song. Elton John's great. But the, hey, just as an example, man, it is. If you got the beat, man, music is pretty easy. You get something people can hum along to and, and dance to. You could be saying whatever the hell you want in those lyrics. I don't think anyone would notice, or more importantly, anyone would care. So I just wanted to point that out there. We don't really do a ton of music talk for a good reason. A lot of people hate my music tastes. I don't know if that's even a hot take or not, but that's just something I did notice yesterday. I wanted to pass that along. So speaking of what is being said and people noticing and not noticing, I do think yesterday Mike McCarthy's comments and his season-ending press conference are a fireball offense. I so Monday show, if you listened, I thought Mike McCarthy should have been fired for his coaching in Sunday's loss to the 49ers and having his team woefully unprepared. And I thought yesterday he not only confirmed that, but he should have got himself fired again for basically admitting to everyone, admitting to Jerry Jones, he is not a very good coach. He revealed himself to be a terrible coach who is, is unable to get the most out of his team. And I'm not sure if you're Jerry Jones, the ultimate decision maker. I don't know how you don't listen to that press conference yesterday and not fire Mike McCarthy. I don't see how you can feel good about McCarthy leading your team in 2022 and having a deeper postseason run, a different outcome, a more successful 2022 season than you did in 2021. Because let's, let's play a few things, right? In case you missed it, I know everyone is busy, so I'm sure you're not exactly locked into a Mike McCarthy press conference on a Wednesday afternoon. I totally get it. So I want to play you a few clips here from what Mike McCarthy said yesterday and have you be the judge. Should he be fired? Would you feel good if he was your head coach with a team that has Super Bowl aspirations? Would you feel good about him leading them to that promised land? Let's start with the final play. Right? As we know, the most talked about, scrutinized final play call uh, that we have seen in a very long time. After the game is one thing to defend it, I understand. Right? That literally, the last play you called of your season happens, it goes wrong, and then five minutes later, ten minutes later, you're asked, you're asked about it. You want to defend yourself, I understand. But now you've had Sunday night to reflect. 
You've had a Monday to have it sink in. You've had Tuesday to process everything that's gone down, what, what the call was, what should have happened. You had now on yesterday, Mike McCarthy was asked about the decision that, you know, to run a QB draw, if it was the right one. Here's Mike McCarthy's answer. It's a minute long, but I really want you to pay attention to the, the beginning part and the end part. Mike McCarthy talked about why the play call was still correct and why, again, the referees are still to blame. Here's Mike McCarthy on the final play call of the season. The center can spot the ball. The receiver can spot the ball. Uh, so the fact that, you know, the opinion that you can't spot the ball is, is, is not correct. Uh, so the center can spot the ball. Our guys are trained to spot the ball exactly how the referee spots the ball. You put the tip on the inside edge of the hash. You know, obviously the umpire has to come in. He, all he has to do is touch it. We're in a 3-2-1 situation. You snap the ball. So obviously that didn't happen right there at that point. So, But as far as the training of Dak getting the ball to Tyler, Tyler getting it down on the hash mark, you know, that part was intact. So we had great confidence in that situation, you know, because we, we were just trying to get inside the 30-yard line for to change the play call for the final play. So um, that's the right call based on our preparation. We just got to really look at the, you know, the mechanics and the timing of that too. So, um, but yeah, it's a 13-second it's a threshold is, is the call. So, um, it's a, at 14 seconds, it's, in my view, the right call. Okay, let's start with the last part first there. There was a, there was a lot there. Like I said, so let, let's just dive into it. The last part to me is alarming. He, Mike McCarthy, saying that is a 13-second play. When they have practiced it every single week, like, they, like he has claimed, like Prescott has claimed, they claim, okay, this is a 13-second play. That, which means when there's 14 seconds on the game clock, you are giving yourself all of one second, one second margin of error. Let me ask you this. It's a playoff game. It is a game where you have 14 seconds left in your season. It is an extremely high leverage situation. And your pressure is up. Everyone is, is feeling the nerves, right? You really think as a head coach, and you signed off on the fact that a play with a one-second margin of error is going to go smoothly in a situation that is not practice, in a situation that's not even a regular season game. This is your, your legitimate season on the line here. If you lose this game, it is your season, despite having 12 wins, is considered a total failure. And he thinks if everything goes right, if Dak slides perfectly, if the ref is right there to spot the ball, if the line is, is running as fast as they can, everyone gets lined up, set, and they spike the ball. Best case scenario, literally best case scenario, we will have one second left on the clock, and you think, yeah, we got it. That's a great idea. Let's do it. Everything's going to go to plan. Are you kidding me? You can never think that. Having one second at, with the best case scenario saying you're going to risk, that is stupidity. That is awful coaching. You cannot put your, your team in that situation where they literally have a one-second margin of error where if everything goes perfectly, if everything goes to plan, you will have one second. And by the way, there are some factors, which we'll get into here in a second, that are out of your control being the referees. Mike McCarthy, in the beginning of that clip, still failed to acknowledge how they're practicing the play was incorrect. 
Again, he continues to talk about the referees. He continues to talk about how what we did was the right thing in spotting the ball. The center could spot the ball. Any offensive player could spot the ball. Here's the thing about the dangerous part about spotting your own ball if you're not the referee. Do you see what happened? The referee to move the ball back because the Cowboys gave themselves like four extra yards. They spotted the ball incorrectly. And by the way, even if you spotted the ball correctly, the referee still has to touch it into play. You cannot have any play start if the referee doesn't touch the ball in play. So even if Mike McCarthy claims to do everything right and they're allowed to spot the ball, you still need to give the referee a chance to run in there and spot it. The line was, you know, lined up. Dak was under center. The referee, the reason why part of it was delayed, he had to plow through Dak Prescott, through the center, just to be able to get the ball ready for play. That cost the Cowboys extra three or four seconds. Because, sure, they, they say they spot the ball, but they were unable to mechanically run it correctly because they did not account for the referee being involved in the play, which goes back to bad coaching. You did not have your team in the literal play that defined your season ready to go. In the play you claim to have practiced all season long, you did not have them practicing it correctly all season long. If you are Jerry Jones, you just had your own head coach in two different ways admit he failed to have his team ready to play in the big moment. He failed to have them ready to, to execute a play that they claim to have practiced all the time. How can you, with Super Bowl expectations, with a roster that is set, there's no you know, moves you can make here. You're not going to get an extra receiver. You're not going to get a, a better O-line. There's not one glaring weakness on this Cowboys team going into 2022. So there's not many moves that you're going to make that's going to change this team from where they are now to all of a sudden instant Super Bowl contender overnight. And you're going to now run out with a head coach that really, if anything, underwhelms and underperforms and takes your team down instead of elevating them to the next level? How does that make any sense? Jerry, you just had your own head coach admit in two different ways. We thought it was a good idea to have a one-second margin of error with our season on the line. If everything goes correctly, best case scenario, we have one second left. Oh, yeah, by the way, we still still didn't account for the referee having to touch the ball in play because guess what? We, he had to run through two different players to spot the ball, which Mike McCarthy, again, failed to acknowledge. And by the way, yeah, assumed everything would go smooth. That is bad, bad, bad coaching. But it gets worse. I think it gets worse because that is, right, the final play is one thing. How about before the game even started, Mike McCarthy not having his team ready to play, ready to go, feeling confident? Because here's Mike McCarthy. He was asked about how the team was playing, uh, how what the team was feeling in the pregame, before the game. Well, here's Mike McCarthy, what he said. I thought we were nervous to start the game. I uh, felt it in the locker room with the team prayer. Um, but I thought we fought through that okay. I mean, I, you know, they, we held them to field goals, and I think once our guys settled in, um, I, I, th I thought that, you know, it balanced out and the competitiveness there. But, you know, the, the up and down was a challenge. You know, the offense not getting into a rhythm. You know, I thought the defense played stronger in the second second half, gave us, gave us a chance to stay in the game. And, you know, we needed to make a couple more plays on offense. I mean, for me, when I hear your team is nervous, he sensed the nervousness throughout the team. That, to me, goes back to a lack of good coaching. Sure, I get it. It's a playoff game. We're all human. Don't get me wrong. I get nervous sometimes before doing the show. It's, it's human nature, and it's, you know, for the most part, it's common sense that these players are going to feel a little extra, you know, a little nerves, a little extra nerves before a playoff game. 
Because as we know, the stakes are high, right? It's win and go home. Your season's on the line. That is nerve-wracking. But to for Mike McCarthy to have a sense that the full team is nervous when you are 12-5 and five on the season, right? A great regular season, record-wise. When you were the home team in the playoffs, when you have a team that's ready to compete for a Super Bowl, right? It's not like they know, oh, we're overmatched. Oh, we're going against a team with much more talent. It's not like you're the Philadelphia Eagles going into Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. Or you are the Pittsburgh Steelers going on, on the road to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. I just think the Cowboys had more talent than the 49ers did. So you had a more talented team. You're at home. And again, you had a great regular season being a 12-5. and five, And your team is nervous? For me, that goes back to a lack of coaching and a lack of preparation had this team ready to go. Because again, what do you if you are truly nervous, and not just have the nervous energy, but you are truly kind of sitting like, oh boy, I don't know. I don't know. That to me goes to reflection of how practice was during the week. That goes back to reflection of the players knowing, you know what? We're not as prepared as we should be. There's a lot of holes here where I do see the 49ers taking advantage. And guess what? Those nerves came back to bite the Cowboys because right away, what did the 49ers do? Right down the field, touchdown. It's 13-0. It's 13-0 down uh, San Francisco. That team came out, the 49ers did, ready to play. Did you see, by the way, you see on Twitter their entrance into the stadium from the locker room before they ran out of the tunnel? It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. They had one of their coaches, I don't know, a strength coach, whatever, with a massive boombox on his shoulder playing a rap song as the team is, is running out of the tunnel. The opposing tunnel. This team is loose. They're rapping the song. Everyone's feeling good. You can sense a swagger and a confidence from the 49ers before the game even started, and that reflected in their play. Again, getting off to a hot start up 13-0. Where on the flip side, you have the Cowboys feeling nervous. Mike McCarthy later on in the press conference walked it back and said, ah, I, I, I wouldn't say nervous. I would say some, there was some angst. Angst is, is basically the same thing. Nervous, angst, whatever you want to call it. Your team came out flat. Your team came out careful because there was doubt in their mind. Nerves, to me, goes back to doubt. Do I think we are the best prepared team? Do I think our head coach is putting us in a position to succeed? Do I think our head coach is going to out-coach Kyle Shanahan? For me, that answer is no, and I think that's what leads to nerves in the pregame. It's one thing to have nervous energy. Every team is nervous. Don't, you know, let's not be ridiculous here. But I think Mike McCarthy admitting his team felt nervous and he sensed the nervousness and then goes back to a lack of preparation, a lack of belief in the game plan, offensively, defensively. And I think that is, again, a straight reflection on the head coach. So again, if you were Jerry Jones and you're listening to this, Mike McCarthy admits the team is nervous. He admits, hey, we did everything. We practiced everything and it should have gone a different way, but you were practicing it wrong. And leaving, you know, making bad judgment calls with your season on the line. How can you feel this is the right guy to carry you in to 2022? He's not. He should be fired. He should have been fired Sunday night after the game. That was not the case. He should be fired today after that press conference yesterday. It is rare. It is very rare for someone to fire themselves twice in a week. Mike McCarthy has done it. He has failed to put this team in a position to succeed. He has failed to get the most out of this team. And I think for me, the only solution for Jerry and this Cowboys team going forward is to bring in a head coach that can get the most out of this team. That can have them play with a confidence and a swagger about them. That can actually beat good teams and match the talent that's on paper with the product we see on the field. That has not happened in the Mike McCarthy era in Dallas, and I don't think it's going to change.
Jerry should pull the plug. Stop, you know, moving on and stop, and don't waste 2022. You're not getting any younger, Jerry. We know how desperate he is for one more Super Bowl. There's no reason to waste 2022 with a quarterback that's there, with the running backs that are not getting any younger, with an offensive line that's aging, with a defense that is coming to their own. Now is the time to strike. Strike while the iron is hot. Do not punt on 2022. Bring in a new head coach that can get the job done because Mike McCarthy is unfit for the position. So, <laughs> love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, uh, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, if you want to tweet us there as well. If you're watching on Facebook, we appreciate you. Worldwide Sports and Eric on Facebook. YouTube, Worldwide Sports and Eric as well. Check us out. Leave a comment there in the section. Uh, do you think Mike McCarthy should be fired? After hearing what you heard about the team being nervous, hearing what you heard about his judgment uh, on f- the final play call of the game, the QB draw the end of their season, basically having no regrets and doubling down on the decision being the right one. Is it time for the Cowboys to move on from Mike McCarthy and should Jerry Jones bring in a new head coach? Love to get your thoughts. And when we do return, Tom Brady, could he be playing his last game of his career on Sunday? One of his former players, and for, well, former players, one of his former teammates believes that answer could be yes. We'll tell you who that is. And if I do believe Tom Brady will be playing in the final game of his career, we'll do return us into the Ryan Key Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 15 minutes from now on the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Two road teams that are pulling the upset. I'll tell you who they are and why. We get set for divisional round weekend kicking off in 48 hours or so from now. If you're watching on, on Twitter, at Ryan Hickey Show or WWSRN underscore, you see my guy Nick McCool chirping me, not wearing my blue light glasses today. Look, first of all, hell, I don't know why people chirp blue light glasses. They're a great look. Protecting my, protecting my eyes, sue me. You know, but I, I don't understand, you know, the, uh, the need to constantly chirp. It's a good look. Try them out. I highly recommend them. No, no headaches from, uh, from the glare. But, you know, you're always going to receive hate anything you do. People are just always going to hate no matter what. Speaking of hating, and speaking of taking health into consideration, not that me and Tom Brady are anything to be compared by it, but we do look out for ourselves. But Tom Brady, right, is the, we'll say the pinnacle, the epitome of health and taking care of himself, which is why he's been able to play for an insane amount of time. He's 44 years old. Still having some of the best seasons of his career. So always, as we know, we've been asking this question what it feels like for the last, what, decade. When is Tom Brady going to hang it up? Could it be after this season? I want to play you what his former teammate, Rob Nikovich, right? So someone who's known Brady, who's played with Brady, who has an idea of what he's thinking and how he, he works. He was on Get Up uh, yesterday, and he gave his thoughts as to when Tom Brady could retire and said, you know what? It could be after the season. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Tom decided to just kind of walk away and do, you know, whatever he wants to do. Because, listen, right now he's in bonus time. Uh, How many 44-year-old quarterbacks have we seen throw for the amount of yards and touchdowns? And he'll be 45 in August. So at this point right now, 
you know, what else does he have to prove to anybody? What else does he have to check off the list? I mean, he's got TB12 that he has grown to being, you know, in L.A., in New York, in Boston. And he's got his own brand coming out in the Brady brand with his clothing line. And, and everything that he has done, he left the Patriots, went to another team, won a Super Bowl. Um, and everything as far as football goes, you know, when you feel content with your career and everything that you've done, you can kind of say, all right, I'm going to walk off on my own two feet. So, you know, Tom playing until he's 50, if he really wants to, sure, okay. But if he doesn't and if he decides, hey, I've had enough, I've done everything I need to do, what's After. my legacy? What is his legacy? The best quarterback to ever play. So there's Tom Brady's again, former teammate Rob Ninkovich on Get Up yesterday morning, believing that this could be it for Tom Brady. This could be the final year. Hell, if they lose to the Rams, this could be the final game of Tom Brady's career. He thinks he's going to hang it up. There's a few reasons why I don't believe Rob Nikovich. I think there's no shot in the hell Tom Brady retires after this season. Guarantee he'll be back in 2022. Here's why. Number one, I don't think his reasoning is correct. He said one word that stuck out to me that when I immediately heard it, I said, no shot. He said the word content. Tom Brady would be content with his career. Tom Brady would be content with his accomplishments and his standing in the game. Let me ask you this. right? We have seen Tom Brady now for two decades. We have heard him talk. We've seen him more importantly on the field than his antics. Would you ever say the word content is a way Tom Brady feels at any point of his life? I would say no. Like When, when would Tom Brady ever be content? Because if even if he was feeling any sort of feelings like that, he would have retired five years ago. He has nothing to accomplish. He is no doubt the best quarterback of all time. I would probably say right now, I feel pretty good saying no one is ever going to catch his Super Bowl record of seven. The guy's been to 11 Super Bowls, 10 or 11. I don't even know off the top of my head, honestly. That's how many times he's been there. Um, I believe 10. So, guy has been to 10 Super Bowls. He has won seven. You have nothing left to accomplish. Winning another Super Bowl this year is not going to all of a sudden catapult him above another quarterback. He is one of one. He's at the top. So if he was ever feeling any sort of content, he would have hung it up years ago. He probably never would have left New England. And you watch him this year on the field, too. One thing that as soon as I hear the word content, and the thing I think about the opposite and why I think there's no shot he's feeling any sort of that emotion, is I go back to a few weeks ago, Sunday Night Football, Saints, Buccaneers. Do you remember that game? Taysom Hill started. It was a disgusting game to watch. So uh, ugly. Tom Brady shut out. They lost 9 nothing to the Saints. Do you remember that game? And the thing that sticks out to me the most from that game was after Tom Brady throws a pick kind of late in the fourth quarter to really put a, 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 an icing on the cake and, and lock this one up, he jogs over. He goes out of his way to jog over to the Saints' sideline, and Dennis Allen, who at the time was the interim head coach because Sean Payne was out with COVID and also the defense coordinator, and he screams <laughs> at Dennis Allen, go bleep yourself. Go F yourself. If Tom Brady was feeling content, I think he would have been like, okay, you know what? A loss is a loss. They got the best of me. Good game. You know, we'll move on. Instead, this guy is still so fired up. That competitor in him is so mad that he is still going to go out of his way to go trash talk a sideline that has just owned him all game long. Even last week, you watch the Eagles game. I get it to blow it. Tom Brady's still on the sideline, you know, cheering for the defense, getting fired up when they got the final stand, still talking trash to the Eagles' defensive players when it's 31-0. This guy's fire inside of him is still burning strong. Until it starts to, you know, fade or even dim a little bit, I don't think there's any chance of retirement. 
you always hear guys kind of talk about, you know, the, the when they know what they have to retire is when they lose the love for the game, lose the love for practice, when it becomes more of a grind than it is for a joy. Look, I don't know Tom Brady. We, all we can see is, you know, hear him in the press conferences and see his actions on the field. His actions on the field say to me, this guy's fire is still burning. He still has that intensity, that in, insatiable desire to win, that no matter what the score is, no matter wh- who the opponent is, he's still playing hard. Hell, it was 31 nothing in the playoffs last week. He's still playing. There's no reason for him to be playing. He's getting sacked. The offense line is hurt. He's put himself in positions to kind of, you know, leave him susceptible. They have one hit and he's done. He is still playing. If he was content, he would have been out of that game a long time ago. So I think one of the reasons why he's not retiring, I think he just loves the game too much. We've seen it on the field. I think he is still in no position to, to bounce. Number two, he has said consistently, one of his goals in his career is to play till he is 45. He's almost there. He's 44. Next year, he will be 45. I don't think you, you play as long as you do. You are one year away from your stated public goal of playing, you know, the age you want to play to, and say, ah, you know what, I'm good. 45 is right there. I'm coming off a great year. I'm going to call it quits before my goal, uh, my target date of playing is there. I don't think so. I don't think he would call it quits. And, oh, yeah, by the way, the contract also matches up perfectly where he has one year left on his deal in Tampa. That is next year. So the contract works out till you know, he's there through 45. He has said multiple times, I want to play till you know, uh, I'm 45. I think it's too close now where Tom Brady would call it quits. And, oh, yeah, by the way, do you think he would really want to call it quits and stop playing football now when he is playing some of, if not arguably, the best football of his career? Look at what, look at what his numbers were this year. He led the NFL in passing yards. 5,316. More than Patrick Holmes. More than Josh Allen. More than Matthew Stafford. More than Aaron Rodgers. He led the NFL in passing yards. Oh, yeah, by the way, that 5,316 passing yards, a career high for Tom Brady. So statistically, in terms of passing yards, the best year of his career, obviously number one in the NFL. He led the NFL in passing touchdowns, 43. He led the NFL uh, in attempts and completions. And oh, yeah, by the way, set an NFL record for most completions in a season. He is playing the best football of his career at age 44. Do you think he's just going to walk away from that? I'm going to ask you. Right? It's always impossible for any of us to put ourselves in Tom Brady's shoes, but we're going to try here. Whatever your occupation is, whatever you do for a living, if you were, I don't know, whatever, 65, 55, whatever age you were where you were thinking about, eh, you know what, maybe it's time most people in my position do retire. If you were having the best year of your career, in sales, or as a doctor, and you're just doing the best surgeries you ever have, and you are almost peaking at whatever career you have, are you really going to hang it up? Are you really going to say, oh, man, I killed it last year in sales. I had the best year of my life. Look at all this money I raked in. You know what? I'm going to hang it up. I'm going to call it quits. You are probably going to say, you know what? I'm hitting my stride. I want to keep it going. I want to see how long I can ride this wave. It's like gambling. If you are, you know what, I'm going to start, I want to lay off gambling. Oh, I don't want to do too much. I'm going to start weaning myself off. If you're on a, a heater, if you're winning 30 games in a row, you're going to say, you know what, for the best month of my life, I'm just going to call it quits. No, you keep it going. You ride the wave. I think Tom Brady's going to keep on riding the wave. He is having himself a career year and again. 
He led not just himself, not just the Bucs. He led the NFL in passing yards, passing touchdowns, attempts, and completions. He is playing arguably MVP caliber. Or not arguably. He is playing MVP caliber football. I don't think he's going to hang up. And finally, the final reason why I think there's no shot he retires after this year is no matter how this season ends, lost this week, lost next week, lost in the Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl. I think any way the season ends, it still leaves motivation for Tom Brady to want more in 2022. If he wins the Super Bowl, wins the second in their own Tampa Bay, I think, like I said, he's having too much fun to retire. You had your best year of your career. You led the NFL in all these passing yards. You won the Super Bowl. I think he would have too much fun to just be able to walk away after the season. I think he'd want to come back and keep it going. If you lose in the Super Bowl, as you know, Tom Brady gets fueled by the littlest things possible. It's kind of like Michael Jordan in that aspect where you look at you know Tom Brady the wrong way walking down the street. He's going to be you know he's going to hold that with him for the next three years and have that in his brain where he's going to be motivated to beat you somehow and show it on the field. So if you lose in the Super Bowl, I think that will just spark him to want to return and get one more. And if he loses in the playoffs, either this week or next week, I think that really stokes a fire under him and gets him even more um, ready to play and gives him more motivation to come out and, and, and come back next year and have a better year. I think you consider it a failure. And even though, sure, right, it's hard to win the Super Bowl. You already won one last year. So, again, it's not a failure. But I think in his mind, He'd be so upset with the year he had to not even get to the Super Bowl that I think that would fight, you know, provide enough ammunition for him to return in 2022. So I'm curious your thoughts here. I plenty of reasons why I think Tom Brady is coming back in 2022. There's no shot in hell he was trying. But again, you heard Tom Brady's former teammate, a guy who's been in the locker room, a guy who knows Tom Brady, who has talked with him, who knows how he ticks, saying that he would not be surprised if Tom hangs it up after this season. I'm curious your thoughts here. Do you agree? Do you think there's a chance Tom Brady retires? Or do you think no matter what, he is back in 2022, and if you're a Tom Brady hater, the, the, the hell continues. And if you're a Tom Brady lover, I guess the dream continues. What are your thoughts on Tom Brady's future? Will he retire after this season, or will he be back in 2022? Let's get your thoughts. Again, Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRRun underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show is where you can tweet the show and find the live stream as well. When we return here, two road dogs are pulling the upset this weekend. I'll tell you who those two divisional round upsets are going to be. When we return here, it's the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show. 20 minutes from now, Hickey's Pickies with my guy, Mike Pooley. 3-1-1 one, one last year, Pooley went in Hickey's Pickies. So a very impressive record. See if he can improve that and do even better. A great, not to brag, a great Wild card weekend round for your boy. Five and one. Look out. Stop the presses. Of course, the one team I actually root against and kind of hate, the Patriots, were the only team that screwed me last week. But big, big weekend for your boy in the wild card round. We'll see if we can continue that in the divisional round. Mike Pooley, again, 20 minutes from now, we'll do all four picks for uh, – all four picks for the divisional round. We are coming to you live as the 10 o'clock hour is always sponsored by L. C. Design. Charcuterie boards are perfect for all occasions. So make sure your guests are happily fed 
with some delicious and aesthetically pleasing charcuterie boards made by Lauren Clark. So check her out at lcdesignsnyc.com. lcdesignsnyc.com for more information. Speaking of the divisional round, commencing in two days from now on Saturday, I think we will have two upsets, two road dogs winning this weekend. I think the Bengals are beating the Titans. I think the Rams are beating the Bucks. Let's start with that second one first here. I think the Rams-Bucks game will be decided in the trenches, right? You see Matthew Stafford. Oh, man, you see uh, Tom Brady. You think, okay, it's going to be who's going to have the better quarterback, who's got the better day. I think this, to me, games comes down to the trenches. An old-school O-line versus D-line, who's going to have the edge? That, to me, favors the Rams tremendously. What do we know? How do you beat Tom Brady? What is the old blueprint for putting number 12 on his bum and taking him and sending him home in the playoffs? It's pressure. It's hitting him. It's hitting him. It's making him uncomfortable. And guess what? No team is better at doing that than the Rams this season. Third in the NFL this year in the regular season, 50 sacks on the year. They get after the quarterback. They get after the quarterback often. Even last week, Kyler Murray, extremely mobile. Hard to take down, hard to corral. Well, they were getting pressure on Kyler Murray all game long. Sacked him twice. All game long, he was uncomfortable. He was skittish. He admitted to kind of never settling in. We saw right away from the first quarter on. That game was, I don't say a route, but that game, the defense dominated in part because the line of scrimmage was won by the Rams defensive line. They couldn't run the ball at all. And Kyler Murray, even for how elusive he was, was unable to evade the constant and consistent wave of pass rushers the Rams were throwing at him all game long. So now you got a statue in the in the backfield of Tom Brady makes the Rams jobs a hell of a lot easier this week than it was last week. Oh yeah, by the way, one of the reasons why the, the Rams have the advantage going to this weekend is because you look at Tampa Bay, their whole line is banged up. They got some injuries they got to deal with here that again gives a big advantage to the Rams. Tristan Wirfs. All pro right tackle, they're pro bowl right tackles. We saw early in the game against Eagles last week, hurt his ankle. Uh, Bruce Arians, head coach, it's going to go right down to the wire. He's going to be a game-time decision. He's already in a boot this week, so we're going to see how his ankle does heal. Even if he's on the field, he'll be obviously nowhere close to 100%, and that's if he's able to get on the field. If not, that's very problematic, especially so because their backup right tackle, his name is Josh Wells. He also got hurt in the game on Sunday. So now, if he can't go, you're going to be looking at the possibility of the Buccaneers playing with a third-string right tackle. Not great. Not ideal. When you have Aaron Donald, and you have Leonard Floyd, and you have Von Miller, that is not a very good combo of your Tom Brady you want to be dealing with. And oh, by the way, it's not only your right tackle situation that's in flux. Your center. The hard and soul this line, Ryan Jensen, also dealing with an ankle injury. Now, he's able to come back in the game after he got hurt last week, but that's still a situation where Bruce Arians said he's not going to practice until Friday. Most likely, will be able to play, but again, if you have a bum ankle and you are trying to block Aaron Donald, good luck. Good luck. That is going to be a, a hell of a mismatch and a hell of an advantage for the Rams because also, too, I know this kind of got lost in the shuffle. It's 31-0. A lot of people tuned out early on. There's no reason to truly still be engaged with the Eagles and the Bucks game last week. But one of the things lost in that game was how much pressure the Eagles were able to get on Tom Brady. They sacked him four times, which is tied for the most sacks in a game this uh, offensive line of the Buccaneers has allowed all season. 
They got six quarterback hits and eight tackles for loss. They were getting pressure in the backfield, and late in the game, when, again, the injuries were really starting to settle in for the Buccaneers, they were able to take Tom Brady down. So he was facing pressure. He was under siege a lot last week, and now you're going against a better uh, defensive line in the Rams with a banged-up O-line. That is a massive advantage for 99, for 40 and Von Miller, for Leonard Floyd and 54. Those guys are going to have a field day. Because not only are the Rams great at getting pressure, they're also great at having that pressure force turnovers. Those are a huge swing of momentum in the game, especially in a game where these two teams are very close together talent-wise. Rams are have the third most picks in the year with 19. That pressure, again, forces bad decisions by quarterbacks and puts the ball in harm's way. Look, I get it's Tom Brady, right? They're not playing Jared Goff. They're not playing, I don't know, Ryan Tannehill who's throwing a ton of picks this year as well. You are playing Tom Brady, who, again, gets the ball quick. Smart guy doesn't put the ball in harm's way a ton. But still, that pressure, if he is under siege, we know Tom Brady gets uncomfortable. He starts to get gun-shy, gun and it does bog down the offense. That is the only way I think the Rams are going to be able to win this game. Get pressure on Tom Brady, which they're going to be able to because that defensive line for the Rams is elite, and that offensive line for the Bucs is banged up. So, yes, I know a lot of pressure is going to be on Matthew Stafford and a lot of attention is going to be on Matthew Stafford. But truly, I don't think he has to be out of this world in order to win this game. Like, you go back to the first matchup, he had over 300 yards passing and four touchdowns. I don't think he has to have that performance again in order for the Rams to win this game. I think, for me, the biggest key for him is just not turn the ball over. If you can just hold on to the ball, do not turn it over in any aspect, no fumbles, no picks, I think the Rams are going to win this game. If he plays like he did last week, he only threw the ball 17 times, which I believe is a career low for him at any point um, in his time, whether it's in Detroit or L.A. 17 pass attempts is not a lot for a guy. Matthew Stafford likes to sling the, the rock a ton. But with those 17 pass attempts, he was very efficient. He did not turn the ball over. Three total touchdowns. He took care of the ball and kept things on schedule for the Rams offense. That's all he has to do. When Matthew Stafford, there are seven games this season where he's not thrown a pick, which you look at the opposite, 11 games he has thrown a or six, uh, 10 games, easy math. Uh, he has not thrown a uh, he has thrown a pick, not great. But the seven games this season, Matthew Stafford has not thrown an interception. Do you know what the Rams' record is? 7-0. 7-0, including last week. If he doesn't throw picks, this team wins. That is it. You don't have to have 350 yards passing. You don't got to have four touchdowns and outduel Tom Brady. You need to just take care of the football. This Rams team, I think, will be able to do enough to where as long as you take care of it, keep things on schedule, this Rams team is going to win. And I think he will do that. Matthew Stafford will play well. This Rams defensive line is going to get after Tom Brady. And I think the Rams are going into Tampa and winning this game. And one other note here. And I'll be honest, I was thinking about this earlier in the week. It's a revenge game for Tom Brady, right? He has, in week three, he did lose to the Rams. And how many times are you going to say, oh, man, Tom Brady, you would think that guy never loses to the same team, the same quarterback twice. No way. No shot. No how. Tom Brady, all the success he has, sure, you can get him in the regular season, but he will make you pay in the postseason. Well, Tom Brady, if we call it revenge games, right, where he lost to a team in the regular season and faces them again in the postseason, that has happened to him 11 times. He's just 5-6. Five 5-6. and six. Five and six. In these revenge games where he loses to a team in the regular season and faces them in the playoffs. That is a way lower mark than I ever would have guessed. Way lower. So it's not like the Rams, I guess, have to worry 
about, oh man, revenge game, Tom Brady, he's impossible to beat twice. This is a guy who has shown that if you beat him once, you can beat him again in the playoffs. So I think the the Rams are pulling off the upset on Sunday over the Bucks, And on Saturday, I think the Bengals are beating the top seed in the Titans. Big reason why. I don't think Derrick Henry is going to have a huge, if frankly, any impact on this game. Look at it. So still, it is Thursday. There's no guarantees even going to play. He has been at practice. He has been looking good. Some some Twitter clips, you know, that has been posted this week. He's he's going through contact. He's in shoulder pads. He's looking pretty good. He's huge. He's not running with a limp. He's looking good. I will admit. With that said, though, Mike Vrabel said they were taking it slow. I mean, look, this guy's in place since Halloween. It's not just as simple as plug and play. You get one day of practice and he's, and he's ready to go. He has not played since Halloween. They're taking it slow. They're going to wait till tomorrow to see if they're going to activate him. Now, I'll say this. I would be shocked if he doesn't play. I think he will play, but so far there's no guarantees that he's going to be suited up on Saturday. And if that said, do we assume he is going to not play since Halloween, miss two full months, two and a half months of football, and then come back in the playoffs and go for 150 yards? I don't. I don't think we're going to see a vintage Derrick Henry like we saw in the beginning of the year or like we saw last year where he's just going to be unstoppable. I think this game is going to have to knock a lot of rust off. I think he's going to be really slow to go. And this is a game where I'll be shocked, honestly, if he gets over 100 yards. He hasn't played since Halloween. I know it's a foot injury. Seems to be healed. I would be shocked if he goes for over 100 yards in this game. And that's important because Ryan Tannehill is a different quarterback when Derrick Henry is in the lineup versus when he's not in the lineup. In the eight games this season, the Tennessee Titans have had Derrick Henry playing in the game. Ryan Tannehill has averaged 250 passing yards per game. And the Titans themselves have averaged 28.3 points per game. In the nine games, the Titans have played without Derrick Henry in the backfield. Ryan Tannehill has just 192 passing yards per game. And the Titans offense is averaging 21.3 points per game. So over 60-yard difference in passing yards per game for Ryan Tannehill when Derrick Henry is in the lineup versus when he's not in the lineup. And a full touchdown less when Derrick Henry is off the field compared to when he's on the field. Ryan Tannehill is not a guy that you can actually truly rely on to lead you in the postseason. He's had four starts for the Titans. He's been awful. He's been an awful postseason quarterback. In the two games they won, right? When they went to the AFC title game in 2019, they beat the Patriots, they beat the Ravens. Combined, in those two games, combined, Ryan Tannehill managed to uh, complete 15 passes. 15 passes in two playoff wins for Ryan Tannehill. What does that show you? Derrick Henry has gotten running, and he was the catalyst for the offense. There's two games in Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry's careers when they've both been together that Derrick Henry's been held under 100 yards. The Titans are 0-2 in that stretch. Last year, they struggled mightily. Derrick Henry's bottled up. They scored just 13 points. Ryan Tannehill was unable to lead the Titans to victory. He is a terrible, a terrible postseason quarterback, which to me, which again, I don't think Derrick Henry's going to have a huge impact, which goes to show, can you trust Ryan Tannehill to get the job done? For me, the answer is absolutely not. So you got that going for you if you're Cincinnati, that you shut down Derrick Henry as long as you don't let him run rampant for 150 yards and two touchdowns, you're going to win this game. Because, oh yeah, by the way, when you look at your sideline, when you look at your quarterback, that's a guy you can trust and believe in, even though he's just year two. Well, like Joe Burrow's nickname is already Joe Cool Why. Because this guy never lets the moment get too big for him. 
I mean, look at some other quarterbacks who made their postseason debuts last week, right? Joe Burrow did. He was calm, cool, collective, he was efficient. 244 yards, two touchdowns. Well, look at the playoff debuts for Jalen Hurts. Did not go well. Kyler Murray, ugly. Even worse than Jalen Hurts. So it's not as simple as, oh, man, you're a good quarterback. You're making your postseason debut. You'll play great. That's not the case. Those two quarterbacks have been in the league for more than a year, and they struggled mightily in the playoffs where Joe Burrow, again, in year number two, making his postseason debut, played really good. He was massive for them down the stretch, played his best football in the biggest moments possible. That Tennessee secondary, I know they're able to get up to the quarterback. That Tennessee secondary is not very good. When you have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon and uh, C.J. Uzama to worry about, that is a massive mismatch for the Titans. They're going to get exposed and burned. Because you know what? You can get pressure from the quarterback, as we've seen. Joe Cool doesn't get bothered by it. He's the most sacked quarterback in the NFL this year. It's not like this is a guy who is unused to dealing with pressure. He has dealt with pressure all season long, and he has flourished in the face of it. That, to me, does not scare me. That, to me, is a, this is a game where the Bengals are going to absolutely go into, Cincy, uh, go into Tennessee and get the win. Rams beating the Bucks. Bengals beating the Titans. Who in your mind is getting an upset? Will there be any upsets this weekend in Divisional Round Weekend? Love to get your thoughts. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network. Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. We'll get your thoughts. Who is going to pull up the upset this week? And, oh yeah, by the way, as I try to grab a little string floating around, hand-eye coordination, showing right there, no big deal, we will return with Hickey's Pickies. My guy, Mike Pooley, joins the show next Four games. We'll see how, how well both of us do when we do return here to the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back Welcome to the back Ryan Hickey Show. Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show. It is time for Divisional Round Picks. Hickey's Pickies with a guest I am very, very excited to have on. A man who has been hot with the picks. 3-1-1 one, and one in last year's 2020 Hickey's Pickies. A very impressive mark. And as I already just said, he has been dabbling in the brand new legal betting world that New York State has ventured into, and it has been a hot start. So we welcome in the red hot Mike Pooley. Pooley, what's up, man? What's going on, man? How you doing? Good. How are you doing? You burning up? I mean, it sounds like you are just killing it every uh, every which way recently. The guy is on yeah. a heater. Yeah, no, we are dabbling in the prop bets. We're loving the legal sports, but in New York, thank you, uh, State of New York. And uh, <laughs> we're hoping to have a nice divisional weekend. Now, are you going to put any money on any of these picks that we uh, that we do today? I don't know. We'll see. Um, we'll, we'll we'll talk through some of them. I do like uh, I do like two of these road dogs, so we'll, we'll see. I think we, we, we might uh, we might align on some of these. So uh, we'll see. You like some road yeah. dogs. I like some road. Wow. Okay. So that means. Oof. Boy, either we are going to be on the mark here or we gonna, we're going to have a very, very tough weekend. So like I said, last week, or last year, I should say, 3-1-1, one, one, tremendous, tremendous showing. How are we feeling about this year? We, we bump it up a little well, bit, maybe 3-1, and 4-0? Well, oh? well I, did have to, I did just go back and double-check the lines. You gave me some spotty lines last year. That was my point. That, that one tie was a little bit of a disgrace, but we'll, uh, we're, we're, we're over 
So my memory is a little bit spotty here. So I, correct me if I'm wrong. I do think the one push that landed was it the Hail Murray last year. I don't know if it was. I think yeah, it was, and then they need it and didn't go for the extra. Ball. Yes, that is right. They get the Hail Mary. DeAndre Hopkins pulls down. They go up by whatever it was, one or two, and to, <laughs> that's right. They need on the two point conversion so they don't get a blocked and returned. That's that's right. That was the one push. Kyler Murray screwed us. Cliff Kingsbury, yeah. fire him. Yeah. Screwed us. And then the other game you, was, at least. I think, Clemson Notre Dame or something like that. But oh, that okay. The, 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 the highlight of your year last year. Well, you know, <laughs> Clemson. I guess yeah. I guess we, we'll call it that. Highlight of my Notre Dame rooting life, considering that they've lost every big game I've rooted them to see. But you know what? That screwed you. So I, I apologize for that. Notre Dame let you down uh, yet again. Poole, how are you feeling about these picks? You ready to roll here? Let's go. Let's rock. Go in order, Bengals at Titans. Now, not official. We don't know if Derek Henry's going to return. Presume return um, to the field after missing two and a half months, basically not playing since Halloween. Bengals on the road, three and a half point dogs here. Where are we leaning? So I feel like a lot of these games are just like the old guard versus like the new up-and-comers. You have that in almost every matchup right now. I like that. Um and I do like I do like the hook on the line, so I'm gonna roll with the Bengals. I just think their their passing attack will be too much for Tennessee, and I don't know how much of a factor Derrick Henry will be. And, I'll, and like you said earlier in the segment, like if they can't run, it's it's a dicey situation for Tennessee. I am a hundred percent with you. Like, is it, yeah, it's it's a situation where even if Derrick Henry does play, like the guys have played two and a half months. I I know he is one of one. The guy is just. Built, you know, built like a, a, a Roman Greek god. But at the same time, it's like, he hasn't played in, in two and a half months. That's a lot of rust to kind of break off in a playoff game, mind you, where, like you said, you got to really get it going because if not, Ryan Tannehill stinks. Ryan Tannehill is just a, a really bad quarterback when the run game is not at an elite level. Um, and that's a guy you can't trust. Like, we talked about before, his two playoff wins, he combined to throw fifth or complete 15 passes. I mean, you're a Jets fan. You, you've seen Mark Sanchez have bigger impacts on both of those AFC title runs. He had an 09 in 2010 than Ryan Tannehill has in leading these Titans teams. He can't do it. Guy can't do it. Yeah, and the Jets beat and the Jets beat Tennessee this year. So de facto, they're True. divisional. Yeah. <laughs> and I was with Derrick Henry. So, man, imagine if Derrick Henry's not rolling. How bad. <laughs> well, the, actually, the Jets beat both these teams in, in reality. So this is, yeah, you know. If yeah, you, so if you're out next year. You know what? Yeah, that, that should be the Jets' marketing slogan. We beat the team that was in the AFC title game and maybe in the Super Bowl. That's that's yeah. a pretty good pitch for 2022. We could have a def- could hang a banner like Indy. <laughs> Always got to come back to that. You know what? Uh, I, I'm sorry for showing some pride. God forbid, you know, you want to <laughs> celebrate some accomplishments. It's hard to win in the NFL, right, man? It's hard to win. It's hang hard. more banner. <laughs> we are both, though, on the Bengals plus three and a half. This is the game pool. I have so so far. Like I, I try to do my picks bef- the night before, just so I'm not thinking about it in the morning when I'm when I'm tired. This is the one game out of the four games on the slate this weekend. The one game I still haven't picked yet, to be honest. I have a blank. This is the, for me the toughest one. 49ers at the Packers. Now the 49ers are six point underdogs here, going to Green Bay. You're gonna ride with the momentum of San Francisco, or the Packers gonna be too much here. Yeah, this one hurts me because I've been. This is the one I've been flip flopping on. The other three, I, I have a pretty firm answer on this one. I love Shani, love the Niners. Um, they ripped off two huge road wins. Um, hard, it's gonna be hard to win the road a third week in a row, but 
this one. They're going to go up my heart. They, I'm, I'm going to roll Niners in the points on the road. I like it a lot. I want to like. I'm. I think I'm going to be rooting for the 49ers, and especially too, if they come out with that boombox again, where they're coming out of Lambeau Field, just just blasting. Apparently, it was yeah. Kodak Black. Like, I don't know how you pick against San Francisco. It's a, it's impossible no. to do. No, crushing the diva over rushing yards again. <laughs> what do you know? What the number is? I don't know. Last week it was like forty something. It was like forty eight and a half, and he hit it with ease. So ease. Yeah, he's. I mean, that's that's stealing money he's right like a, there. He's a running like back. A top ten running back. I think there was a stat. If you if you like extrapolate his numbers, like how many attempts Taylor had this year, he'd be like the best running back in the league. Oh, it'd be like twenty. I think I saw I saw that. it was like over two thousand yeah. yards rushing. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. It's, he's, he's incredible. The guy well, is absolutely – maybe it could be the number one pick in fantasy next year. little running back so, receiver hybrid. So really with them is I don't know the status of Bosa. Which sucks. Concussion protocol. And then it's really how banged up the defense is going to be, which I feel like they can't stay healthy any year, which is unfortunate. I know. I, for that reason, I hate to do it. I'm going to pick the Packers. If they were – if Bosa I knew was playing and, and Fred Ward – like if their defense is a little bit healthier, I think I would go – with San Francisco and even Jimmy G. The guy has a banged up thumb. Now his shoulders hurt him all of a sudden. I like Jimmy G. You don't need for him to do a ton, but guys, just, you know, he's like uh, the guy from Operation. You know, everything is, is hurting him in one way or another. I will go the Packers at home here. I think, like I said, if, especially if Nick Bosa doesn't play, you kick any pressure on Aaron Rodgers, forget it. He's going to just torch that secondary. Um, I think the Packers are the, the 49ers going to have a hard time keeping up. I like. See now, like I'm going, like because I like the the run game for San Francisco. I think they can control the line of scrimmage, but yeah, I will go yeah. gr- begrudgingly with the Packers minus six, which is good for you if you're going to disagree. Take the the Forty Nine ers and yeah. the points here, especially again yeah. they come out the boombox. I think it's yeah. it's already over. They yeah. see in the answer Strict- title game. Strictly a hard pick there. I can see the Packers covering, but like you got to roll with Shani. You'll go with the heart. I'll roll with the head here. That's usually a good bet for you, but we will. We will see. Sunday, this is going to be a, a really good one. Rams at the Buccaneers. Matthew Stafford and co. Three-point dogs to Tom Brady and the Bucks. Who's going here? Who's winning? This is like a put-up-or-shut-up game for the Rams because they made all those moves, and if they lose this week, it's they got to the same spot they did with Goff last year mm-hmm. or, or with whoever the hell they were rolling out there last year. I forget his name already. John Wolford. Um, Come on. Wolford, that's goat. right. That's right. That's right. Pride um, of what? Wake Forest, right? Wasn't he Wake Forest? Yeah, right? Wake Forest, former Jet. Okay, right. I like that. Um, Another banner for the Jets to hang. Yeah. So even in the even uh, Patriots, I uh, sound like Bob Bichuzin now, confusing <laughs> uh, Buccaneers and Patriots. <laughs> um, even in the Bucks win last week, I feel like uh, the line looked like an issue, and like the Eagles kind of got to Brady a little bit. Um, I think you you exemplified it this week where the Rams front is better than the Eagles front. We don't know how healthy the Bucks line is. I, I think I'm going to roll with the Rams plus three. Let's go. We are in agreement. You're right. I feel like no one because the game was like 31 nothing. The game was a blowout and Jalen Hurts really struggled, so it kind of took a, the attention off it. But you're right. Like Tom Brady's under siege. That Eagles front line, they're like good. Don't get me wrong. They got a lot of pressure on Brady. Now you're facing a better. Oh, uh, you're facing a better defensive line. With yeah, like I said, a banged up O line. That's a bad recipe. That's the one, the one area we know that always kind of gets Tom Brady. I'm with you. I think the Rams are gonna I forget cover. I think they're gonna flat out win. As long as Matthew Stafford doesn't now, I know it's a that's a tough, you know, you know, uh, only or but thing to put in there. But if Matthew Stafford doesn't 
turn the ball over, which has only been seven games this year. They are seven and out. Like the Rams win games if Matty Stafford just kind of gets out of the way. I don't think I don't know about you. I don't think he has to really light it up. Like if he's a game he had similar to last week, where he doesn't throw the ball a ton, but just efficient and doesn't turn it over. I think the Rams could win this game. I don't think it has, it has to be a shootout where it's like 34-31 or a game like it was early in the year when they played, where Stafford you know threw for 300 yards and, and four touchdowns, really lit it up. It's gonna be a, a defensive, low-scoring game. Just don't turn it over. Yeah. And their run game looked good. Like Cam Akers coming back is incredible, and he looked fresh as hell last week. So, Daddy, by the way, just I mean, torn yeah. Achilles. I have thankfully. Have you ever done that? I've never done that. No. But no. it sounds like the most painful injury you could have. And right to do yeah. it in was it July, and now he's back in January is unreal. Absolutely, but like I said, he looked really good. He looks fresh, almost 100 yards total last week. He is looking good. And hey, if OBJ is to throw a pass or two, not the worst thing in the world. Guy is a cannon. Guy is an absolute cannon. Final game of the slate, Pooley. A very good one as well. Bills at Chiefs. You know, Bills Mafia went in there and stopped them the first time. Can they get a repeat for uh, performance? Or is Mahomes going to keep on marching? So I think I can finally admit that Josh Allen's good now that the Darnold train is done in New York. I feel like that was always the thing where you couldn't admit that Josh Allen was good because you were trying to like convince yourself that Darnold was the right pick. Now that that, that mess is done, I can finally like do a 180 and admit that, yeah, Josh Allen's really good. But also in this, I know I'm going to contradict myself from the last pick, but it's hard to beat a team twice in their building, which is what the Bills are going to have to do. Um and you see how last week Kansas City can sleepwalk and just turn it on in a second. I, I have a hard time going against them, so I'm going to take Kansas City as a favorite. You know what's funny? I'm with you. I'll take the Chiefs. I'm kind of the same boat as you when it comes to Josh Allen. Like I was, It takes me a very long time to kind of come around on him. Um, with the accuracy, the first two years were just kind of eh. And I was, hate to admit, I was a Sam Darnold believer. I really thought the Jets kind of screwed him. This year would be the year he kind of blossoms in Carolina. As we know, unfortunately, no, it's not the Jets. It's not the offensive line, or it's not the lack of weapons, or Adam Gase, it is Sam Donald. He stinks. He absolutely stinks, but I was with you. I was holding out hope. I was holding on to the last possible show that Sam Donald was actually a good quarterback, and part of that was kind of just saying, ah, yeah, Josh Allen, ah, fine, he's all right. Um, yeah, I think we could finally put that to bed. I'm, I'm with you. Josh Allen is, <laughs> say to say, a little bit better than, than Sam Donald for sure, but I'm with you. I think it's not only tough to beat a team twice, but also to – when you look at how these two teams, where they were in the seasons when they played early this year, the Chiefs argue this was their low point. This game and the Titans game, they just played two of the worst games of their season against those two teams. They're a totally different team now. The defense is a lot better. Mahomes and Cohen offense have really kind of hit their stride. I mean, like you said, last week, for a quarter and a half, they played terrible for 25 minutes of the game. They were shut out and looking inept, and all of a sudden, next you, know, you blink, and there's 42 points in the board. How the hell did this happen? The Chiefs' offense finally looks like they got the Chiefs' offensive old. And I think it's a problem for Josh Allen and co. I still, I don't know about you, I don't trust the Bills' run game. And I don't trust their defense. Like, I mean, you're a Jets fan. You especially saw the last game of the year. Like, the Jets' defense really kind of put Josh Allen in a, in a blender for three quarters. And essentially, because, too, there's no run game to really worry about. Whereas I struggle with the, the consistency of Allen. And that Bills' defense, I, I feel like they're frauds. Like, I've statistically, they're up there, you know, top – three in almost every defensive category. But when they play truly good offense, they fold. Jonathan Taylor ran up and down and, and took them to school. The Buccaneers went up and down. The Titans did as well. Like anytime they play a competent offense or a pretty good offense, they just get destroyed. So I don't think or I'm not feeling good this Bills defense is actually going to step up and get some stops on Mahomes. So I'm with you. Chiefs, my, especially two, minus one and a half. That's, yeah, that's essentially a pick them, so. 
Right. So. I will take the Chiefs yeah. with that yeah. as well. When, yeah, how many times are you going to get the, the Chiefs just straight up pick them at home? So Right, exactly. You take it. It is, it is free money, as, as some might say, so you take it. So we are in a group, Pooley, on three picks. We're both on Cincinnati plus three and a half. We are both on the Rams plus three, both on the Chiefs minus one and a half. You will take the 49ers plus six. I will take the Packers minus six. Pooley, I have one more question for you. Arguably the most important question I'll ask you on the, sh- on the show. Are the Rangers good? They are good. <laughs> I, I, I was I was gonna I was gonna bring this up. DraftKings have to stop making them home dogs. Last night was too easy. What? Never a doubt. No, never a doubt. Even after three one. Like what is where where's the doubt? Come on. I, I get sure their record against great teams is suspect a little bit. This team is good. They All are the good. analytics say that they're not good and they just keep winning games. So they they're a terrible quote terrible five on five team. All this stuff. You know what it is? Look at look at the guy in net. That's the difference. Look at the guy in net. Look at some of the guys that are scoring goals at a consistent clip. And look at the win-loss comp. The boys just win. You can't put analytics on wins, Pooley. Get them. Get so the is, nerds out of the out of the press box, yeah, all right? Yeah. Yeah. This is the big stretch, though. <laughs> they get they they got some meat. They got some yes. meat here. Okay, Carolina coming up. So well. This will be a big test, but no, they—they're just—I think they're just a complete team from top to bottom, which is what they haven't been in a while. Everybody contributes, which is nice. The boys are buzzing. Hopefully, we'll be able to catch a catch a game soon and yeah, see we, a, yeah. a nice Us, win in I, person. Me, you, Nick, Anya—we gotta we gotta take a game <laughs> in. So it has been been too long. The crew—that is a, a solid crew. The Rangers don't lose when those when that team is together. That is for sure. Pooley, appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks so much. Thank you, Heck. Anytime. The great Mike Pooley with some great, great picks there. We agree on three out of the four. Good thing for Pooley. I can't really say this, but this has been one of the few times where your boy is hot. Five and one in the Wilds card weekend last week. Hopefully we could keep that going in the divisional round as well. Speaking of the divisional round, there's one quarterback I think that by far is the most pressure of anyone in the postseason. There's one guy with the most to lose. I will tell you who that is and why. When the Ryan K Show returns, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show. Where else but the Worldwide Sports Radio Network? We appreciate you starting your Thursday morning with us right here. As it is oh, snowing outside. That's, hmm. It was raining, I guess. So that's, a, that's better than rain. A little snow on this Thursday, January morning. So, because it is snowing, right? It means it's the playoffs. We got playoffs to talk about here. And I want to kind of talk about a quarterback that I think has the most on the line, the most to lose this postseason. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure on every single player, every single team, every single quarterback left in the playoffs, right? When you're so close, when there's eight teams left, you want to be the one to be hoist on Lombardi trophy at the end. But I don't think there's a quarterback with more to lose in this, in this postseason than Aaron Rodgers. His legacy is truly on the line here. I do think it's going to take a hit. If they lose, if they fall short of the Super Bowl, if they if they get to the Super Bowl but don't win the game. Because you look at now Aaron Rodgers, 
whether it's the advantages he's had on the field, we look at his history in the postseason, and all the drama that's kind of you know gone on in Green Bay this past offseason, and what his future is looking like, no quarterback to me has more to lose and will have more questions raised about them than Aaron Rodgers if he does lose in the postseason. Let's look at my on the field, because par- part of the reason why on the field he has more to lose than anyone else is because the Packers have more advantages than any other team in the postseason. Look at what the Packers have that no other team has. In the NFC, right, they have the bye. No other team has the bye. They're the only team the Packers are that did not play last week, and they're healthy, they're rested, they're ready to go. As we know, right, Brady had to play last week. Uh, Safford had to play last week. Jimmy G, who's banged up, had to play last week. And the 49ers themselves are banged up. Coming out of that Cowboys game, where the, the Packers were at home resting comfortably. Not only do they get the bye, they're obviously, they get home field advantage, right? Number one seed, you're playing every game at home. But the Packers have a true, and really, you make the argument, the only home field advantage in the playoffs because they have Lambeau Field. We look at the other three teams in the NFC. 49ers, Bucks, Rams, all warm weather climate teams. Going to Lambeau and playing in the cold when you are used to playing in, in warmth and sunshine in a dome is not easy. It's a challenge. It's an advantage for the Packers who are used to playing in those conditions. Now, it's not impossible, right? We saw last year Tom Brady and, and the Buccaneers went into Lambeau and won the game. But again, that is a massive advantage the Packers have no other team does. The biggest advantage, more than the bye, more than the home field advantage the Packers will have, is that they are the healthiest team in the playoffs, especially in the NFC. You look at the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers' offensive line is right now very banged up. Their center's hurt. Their right tackle's hurt. If they play, they're not going to be 100%. You are dealing with a banged up old line. And by the way, Tom Brady missing some big-time weapons, Antonio Brown and Chris Goblin. So he is playing with a reshuffled deck that he's not used to. The Rams themselves, right, they lose Robert Woods. They're dealing with a few other injuries. And the 49ers, Jimmy G's banged up. Nick Bosa may not play. Uh, Fred Warner's status is in question. Some of the best players on the 49ers are also banged up. We look at the Packers, they're the opposite. They're not only healthy, they're getting healthier. Their all-pro left tackle, David Bakhtiari, returned to practice, uh, played Week 18 against the Lions. He is back. Jair Alexander, their best corner, is scheduled to play this weekend. He is back after missing a large chunk of time. And Aaron Rodgers, right, dealing with that toe injury, dealing with, with a fractured pinky toe that some people called, jokingly, COVID toe. Well, he said last week that his toe, by the time this game comes around this weekend, will be at 100%. No more pain-numbing injections. No more kind of being hampered or limited in the pocket and dealing with pain. His toe is going to be 100%. So Rodgers is going to be 100%. His left tackle is going to be in. One of the best uh, corners on the team and one of the best corners in the NFL, Joe Alexander, is going to be back. The Packers are getting healthier as other teams are getting more banged up. And oh yeah, by the way, it helps when you have a quarterback playing at an MVP level for the second consecutive season. So the Packers have a quarterback playing some of the best football of his career. They're the healthiest team in the NFL, especially in the NFC. They have the weather advantage that no other team in the NFC has, and they had the bye. There's are a ton of advantages the Packers have no other team in the NFL playoffs, especially in the NFC, has. That gives them a leg up, a leg up to where if they fall short of the Super Bowl, it's a massive disappointment. It's a failure. It is a flat-out failure if you can't make it with all those things going your way. Speaking of not making it, Aaron Rodgers' M.O. in his postseason career has been to fall short of the big game. That's why he, another reason why his legacy is on the line here. His playoff record is just 11-9. and 
for how great Aaron Rodgers Rodgers is in the regular season, with how many tremendous touchdown passes he has, right? No picks. We've seen him dazzle it up year in and year out. How consistently good the Packers are year in and year out. They have consistently failed to get to the big game. They won the Super Bowl in 2009. Since then, they have zero big game appearances. The last four NFC title games, the Packers are 0-4. So Aaron Rodgers has really already entered Peyton Manning territory. Great regular season quarterback, struggles in the playoffs. Him and Brett Favre now are one and the same. Great in the regular season, can't get over the hump in the postseason. And a lot of that's, you know, some of it's not on Aaron Rodgers, don't get me wrong. But there, there are plenty and a multitude of reasons why the Packers have fallen short in different areas of, of the playoffs that Aaron Rodgers is not a part of, is not the reason for. Unlike Peyton Manning, which you can a, a lot of times attribute to the Colts losses or the Broncos losses to him not playing well. Aaron Rodgers has been fine. But again, the record is what the record is. 11-9, 0-4 in the last four NFC title games. There's a lot of pressure there to get over the hump. And again, if you fall short because the advantages you have in, in, on the field, and now because your postseason record is not anything you know but Sterling, uh, doing that you know brings a, and hurts Aaron Rodgers' legacy. And finally, the last reason why I think Aaron Rodgers has the most to lose of any quarterback in the playoffs is because you look at how this offseason went down. You look at all of the drama surrounding Aaron Rodgers and will he be back and, and he wants this and he wants that and, and could he leave, could he get trading. You have all of that drama surrounding and following Aaron Rodgers. You have the entire NFL world basically on their, on their toes, on the edge of their seats for three months wondering where are you going to play? Where is Aaron Rodgers going to go? Could he return in Green Bay? Is he going to get traded? You have all of that. And then you fall short in the playoffs again. Then you fail to reach the Super Bowl. Fail to win the uh, second Super Bowl. That puts extra scrutiny, extra pressure on Rodgers to come through. You can't have all that drama that you create in the offseason and then fail to come through in the postseason to make it worth it. So I think the drama has an extra, extra impact to where, too, in reality, I do think this postseason run is going to have an impact on Aaron Rodgers' future. I think he's going to get traded. I thought he was going to get traded last year. Obviously, I was proven wrong. I think he's going to be traded again this offseason. I do think a trade is more likely if you're Brian Kudekunst if the Packers fall short again. Like I said, 11-9 in the playoffs. You dealt with all that drama in the offseason. If you don't have a quarterback where, again, you as the GM help put this team together. You help put Aaron Rodgers in a position where he has a bye. The team is healthy. You have a home field advantage, right, in Lambeau Field. You have a lot of things on the field working in your favor that not many playoff teams have advantage-wise. If you fail to capitalize on it, for the second year in a row, by the way, for the second year in a row, if you fail to capitalize on those given advantages and you fall short of the Super Bowl and you fall short of winning a Super Bowl, what is, why is the drama worth it if you're the GM? You already have the quarterback you want in place. You took a ton of scrutiny in the last two years. And now you are going to, what, blow it all up for a quarterback that has failed to get to the postseason when it's been handed to him on, uh, or failed to get to the Super Bowl when it's been handed to him on a silver platter? If he loses any of these two weeks, I think Aaron Rodgers for sure is gone. He wants to stay in Green Bay. But I think if you're Brian Gutekunst, you say, all right, we've had all this success. We've had all of these chances to get to the Super Bowl, and we have fallen short time and time and time again. It's time for a change. Not to mention, when you look at the Packers in 2022, this team is in cap hell. So if you want to bring Aaron Rodgers back, this team is going to be drastically different in 2022 than it is right now. 
The right now, the Green Bay Packers are $42 million over the cap. You have big-time free agents to think about, whether it's Devonta Adams, Devondre Campbell, who's an all-pro linebacker this year, Rasul Douglas, who's been tremendous addition on the scrap heap for them in the secondary, Robert Tanya. There's a lot of impact players the Packers are going to have to figure out their, their fate for. And again, when you're $42 million over the cap, it's not exactly easy to say, oh, yeah, we'll sign Devontae. We'll sign our all-pro linebacker. We'll sign Rasul Douglas. We'll bring everyone back. Aaron Rodgers will bring the game back. We're going to run it back again next year. That's not happening. Even if Aaron Rodgers returns, you are not running it back next year. This team is going to be drastically different in 2022 than it is in 2021. So this might be, for all intents and purposes, Aaron Rodgers' final great chance to win one more Super Bowl in Green Bay. Do what Brett Favre never was able to do and win two. Do what you know Drew Brees, Russell Wilson have been unable to do and get a second Super Bowl. This is a huge, huge moment for Aaron Rodgers. And if you fall short, I do think that only motivates the Packers to move on from Aaron Rodgers even more than maybe last offseason all the drama. They have the quarterback in place. They have a plan they want to follow. And I think now falling short of a Super Bowl, falling short of a now, again, in two consecutive years, having every advantage you possibly could ask for and still not being able to come through, I think only motivates the Packers to make a change. And whereas no other quarterback in my mind, their future is tied to the postseason. Tom Brady, win or lose, if the Buccaneer, or if he wants to come back, the Buccaneers are going to take him back. Matthew Stafford's not getting traded from the Rams if they lose this weekend. Joe Burrow's not going anywhere. Ryan Tannehill's not going to go anywhere. Patrick Holmes, Josh Allen, they're, they're locked in. Literally. And Jimmy G's getting traded no matter what happens. Aaron Rodgers is the only quarterback left in the postseason where his future I think, will in part be decided by how the Packers do in the playoffs. So you have his future in question. You have all the drama that you know percolated this offseason that put him at the center of attention. Now if you fall short, what's the deal? You have every single possible conceivable advantage you could ask for in the postseason, and your playoff record is not great. No one has more to lose in the playoffs than Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Fascinating to see. I think they're going to win on Saturday, and they're going to beat the 49ers. But boy, oh boy. If we are sitting here on Monday's show talk about a Packers loss to the 49ers, and Rodgers is good as gone, his legacy is taking a hit, and it's going to be in question for sure. Fascinating to watch. Like I said, I do think the Packers will prevail and, and go to a third consecutive NFC title game. I am very, I don't know about you, this to me is the best weekend of football. Four tremendous games. Bengals-Titans, I can't wait. Nightcap, you get 49ers-Packers. I'm fired up. Sunday, Rams-Bucks. And oh yeah, by the way, the nightcap Bills-Chiefs. This is the best weekend of football. So enjoy it. Four tremendous games on the slate. Enjoy it. Have a blast watching. We will be back on Monday to break it all down, of course. So have a great weekend as always. Stay safe. Stay sane. As I look out at the snow, stay warm. And we'll talk to you on Monday right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio.